Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Proyer of QJAC Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm good as well. So we have week 33 just came out. Um, can you position this this report within the context of actual dates, particularly around the the CP um, CP strike or CP labor action? Sure. So week thirty three uh, would run from basically March thirteen to March twenty. Uh, CP uh, was in negotiations, as you know, with the TCRC um, and had issued a uh, lockout notice uh, to the union that would come into effect at midnight on March the 16th, which would be the Wednesday of that week. And, you know, the, the union uh, simultaneously issued a strike notice to be effective at the same time. So starting on the 17th, which was the Thursday, um, CP announced that they had begun a structured shutdown of their uh, rail operations in anticipation of the work stoppage. Uh, and then uh, the work stoppage effectively happened at midnight on Saturday, the 20th. So what you have is, you know, for the back half of week 33 for CP, you know, their operations would have been focused on um, shutting the network down. So parking trains and likely spotting few cars at shipper sidings. And if we look at the data, we can see that they didn't spot a lot of cars beyond Wednesday that week. So definitely an impact for them. And then of course, uh, starting on Sunday, uh, there were no operations because the work stoppage had begun. So without a doubt, some impact likely on CP's performance in week 33. Okay, thanks Mel. So let's dive into that performance for week 33. Um, let's start with CP. How, uh, what did we see from that week? Not good. Uh, 49% order fulfillment, which was a steep drop from the, you know, the 90% that we uh, saw in week 32, which at the time had been the best week of performance that we had seen at a CP since the middle of November. Um, and, you know, they did well in some quarters. Uh, demand was extremely low, uh, again, uh, less than 2,000 cars. Um, and just to give some context, you know, to that number for listeners, if we go back a year to week 33, um, shippers had ordered 5,700 cars from CP. And in week 33 uh, this year, that number was around 1,500. So, you know, a third, um, less than a third, actually, of, of uh, demand year over year at this time of year. And despite that, you know, again, uh, bearing in mind our comments on on the work stoppage and the planning, if you will, for the work stoppage, uh, not good. And it was largely focused in one corridor, which was a little bit interesting to me. They did do okay in in the Vancouver corridor, which uh, is typically their most important, although demand in that corridor was pretty low uh, this week. Uh, But Thunder Bay was really their downfall where they only fulfilled a little more than 20% of orders. So that really drove the top line number for CP. Yeah, and CN as well had a bit of a slip after pretty good run for the past uh, few weeks. 
Yeah, disappointingly, I would say, if I could characterize it that way, uh, you know, we had seen uh, three uh, relatively good weeks in a row from CM. Um, they had been in the high 70s and above 80% uh, over that three-week period. Uh, and in week 33, they fell to 59%, um, which was a bit of a mystery, frankly, when you think about it. Um, it's, you know, there are some uh, joint operations, if you will, particularly when it comes to the Vancouver corridor between the two railways. So it's possible that there was a little bit of impact on CN because C CP was shutting down operations. But I certainly would not have thought that it would have impacted CN's performance to that extent. So uh, a bit of a mystery, uh, but a definite uh, significant slide from what we saw the three prior weeks. Okay, let's dig into the provincial performance. Um, how much did these top line numbers impact? Uh, let's start with Alberta. Well, as a general statement, I would say two things. Uh, one is uh, pretty uneven performance uh, for both railways across the provinces, with few exceptions. Uh, you know, CN uh, and CP, uh, CP in Alberta, CN in Manitoba. But uh, for Alberta, um, two railway story, really, uh, CP, surprisingly, 99% um, uh, now on low demand, granted. And, you know, you don't know about the timing of these things. Maybe all those orders were filled very early in the week. And that's why, um, you know, the fulfillment rate was high for Alberta. Uh, and it was all driven by Vancouver, which it usually is. So a good week there for them. Um, CN, not so much. Uh, also, uh, Vancouver being the key driver, um, they were at 66%, which was you know lower than they were in week 32, which was 76. But Vancouver really uh, made the story in week 33. They only supplied 32% of the orders to Vancouver. Uh, the one bright spot, I guess, if there was one for Alberta shippers, was they did do well in the Prince Rupert corridor, uh, just about hitting 100% just under 99%. So uh, very varied performance by corridor, but overall not particularly good. Saskatchewan? 64% for both railways, uh, down from you know the mid to high 80s uh, for both railways in week 32. Again, you know, somewhat understandable for CP, a little bit of a mystery for CN. CN was really good, uh, you know, in most of the corridors originating from Saskatchewan, they were like 95% or better in most of the corridors. But Vancouver uh, kind of did them in. They only made it for 27% of the orders, and that was a good chunk of demand. So that really brought the top line number down. And for CP, the story was much the same um, as it was for them on a system basis. Uh, their downfall was really uh, the Thunder Bay corridor. Uh, where they only managed to fulfill 43% of, of orders on time. And it was a big driver of demand. So, you know, overall performance came down. Yeah, and Manitoba, similar, similar case with Thunder Bay, no? As far as uh, driver performance? Yeah, CP, uh, not a good week at all in Manitoba. 12%, which they had been nearly perfect the week before. And as you say, yes, it was all about Thunder Bay and they did not do well in the Thunder Bay corridor. 
CN wasn't particularly good in Manitoba at 40%, but if we compare it to the prior week, where it only, only fulfilled 1% of orders, I guess they look pretty good, but you know, in absolute terms, not really. And interestingly enough, um, their problem was also Thunder Bay, where they were only 23%, which was 85% of their demand. So it's not, it's not hard to see how their uh, top line number came down. That's going to be the story in Manitoba as we go forward, because volumes are starting to ramp up quickly to Thunder Bay. The seaway is going to open shortly if it hasn't already. Um, we've already seen in looking at the uh, demand numbers going forward in week 34 and 35 and, you know, the loads on wheels, the, the daily traffic levels that we're seeing headed for Thunder Bay have ramped up significantly over the course of the last 10 days. So that corridor more than any other now, which is usually the case when, when the seaway is open, is going to be the key driver of performance for both railways uh, for Manitoba shippers going forward. Yeah, I saw. I think I saw today that uh, that the seaway is now open. Um, maybe it was as of today, or maybe on the weekend. And so this for for week thirty three, this would have been just positioning, right? In, in anticipation of that, a lot of these orders. Uh, yes, that's correct. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Okay. We've been watching demand in the Thunder Bay corridor, you know, rise from practically zero, which is what happens in typically in January and February. But starting in the last week of February and through the first couple of weeks of March, um, the demand has been growing steadily. Uh, you know, to give you a case in point, there's over a thousand cars sitting in the Thunder Bay terminal this morning. Um, so we would expect unloads to start going fairly quickly. Um, but of course, that's dependent on there being vessels to load. So if, if there are no vessels yet available for loading, that might, you know, slow down unloads somewhat. But it's going to get going pretty fast here in the in short term. Well, it's good to have the other the other corridor available now, um, especially considering some of the demand may be increasing uh, out of the eastern eastern side of the country. Well, so looking ahead, obviously we had a short uh, labor disruption on CP, but I think week thirty four should be pretty indicative or should reflect some that that as you mentioned the, the few days when they were out. Um, how do you see recovery coming from that, that, that outage? Do you think it'll, it'll take a while or do you think, um, like, what are you expecting? Well, you know, it, it's tough to say. Um, we know based on what we've seen this year and frankly, what we've seen in prior years, that disruptions to the rail system, whether it's CN or it's CP or it's both, um, has led to, you know, very long recovery periods. And obviously the recovery time is, is uh, driven to some extent by the, the significance of the disruption. So the fact that they were only out for 48 hours uh, will help. Um, having said that, you know, they were shutting down for three days prior to the actual disruption. So if you put that together, they were in, you know, pretty much out for the better part of a week, if you will, from a servicing perspective. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly they recover. Their demand is not uh, looking like it's going to skyrocket, to say the least. It's going to stay low. That's going to help. Uh, unfortunately, um, that 
week, if you will, of outage between preparing for the work stoppage and the actual work stoppage has resulted in a, a, a significant jump in outstanding orders for CP. So they're back above 700 after having made some really good progress over the last three or four weeks. Um, so that will impact things, of course, because um, they'll have to work off that backlog as well as meet new demand. So it's probably not unrealistic to think that week 34 uh, will not be particularly good. Um, but we would hope that starting in week 35, that they would start trending, you know, in the right direction, assuming no other external shocks to the system. And, you know, to be honest, um, that uh, their operations uh, personnel, train crews and, and uh, associated personnel uh, are operating, you know, per normal. Uh, we know the parties are in binding arbitration. Um, so we assume that both parties will be, will be operating in good faith and nobody will be looking to slow operations down just to make a point. Uh, that can happen. That has happened in the past. Um, so if we take a positive road, we would expect that, uh, I think after we get through week 34, that CP's performance should start to improve, you know, in week 35 and week 36, hopefully. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be watching and definitely looking forward to the week 34 report to see, you know, what what, uh, what the impact of that, uh, those disruptions, what more impact from those disruptions had on the system. Well, Mo, thanks for your time again and for your insight. For those who'd like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.